You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Well, this is an especially interesting uh, Preaching Source uh, podcast for me this morning because sitting across from me is uh, Southwestern's Vice President for Institutional Research and Advancement, uh, the short version, he's the registrar, uh, Dr. Mark Leeds. And most of the time when we interact with him here, uh, he, he's our scorekeeper. He's the fellow we turn our grades into and uh, who keeps the transcripts and, and also uh, watches after institutional effectiveness on the academic side of things. Uh, but he's also a systematic theologian in his own right. Uh, Dr. Leeds is a Ph.D. graduate of Southeastern Seminary. And he wrote his dissertation on imagination as a handmaid to theology. And the subtitle is An Evangelical Appraisal of the Role of Imagination in Theological Methodology. Uh, And I understand from time to time they steal you over in the college to teach a fine arts history course. That's right. I I love teaching that one. That's my favorite one. Uh, Open the young people's eyes to uh, how you can see really the whole of uh, the history of Western thought and the history of theology through the arts and wow. through the history of painting. Well, Dr. Leeds, we're glad to have you on Preaching Source this morning, and, and we want to talk about preaching and imagination. So let me ask, how would you define imagination, and uh, how might it differ from related concepts like creativity and fantasy? So what what is imagination, especially as preachers think about imagination? Right. Imagination is one of those things that, um, you know, when I first started thinking about it, I, I kind of thought I knew what I was getting into. And then like like most things, the deeper you go, the, the more uh, uh, nuanced your understanding becomes. So in thinking about imagination, I'd say it, it really is that capacity of the mind that enables us to engage the senses, enables us to engage the senses. And um, this, I think, plays out in, in sort of two main uh, ways in our lives, and I'll kind of deal with the one and then the, and then the second. The first would be um, what I think of as the receptive imagination. So that is that, that part, of, the ima- that part of, the, of our minds that enables us as we're sitting here in a sound booth and, and we're talking to one another and I can hear your voice and I can see you and I can feel the chair beneath me and smell the room and that I'm, I'm receiving a lot of sensory information and my mind is processing that. And that is, uh, I'm not being creative at, this, at that point, but I am receiving a lot of, a lot of information. Um, this uh, also gives us a chance later to take um, that part of our minds and to do things that are productive or creative with those same things. So um, when we've experienced something in the past, uh, one of the kind of classic examples in uh, history of Western thought would be the Golden Mountain. Uh, nobody's seen a Golden Mountain, but if you've seen gold and you've seen a mountain, you then have the ability to create in a story or in a world something like a, a Golden Mountain. And so we have sort of this receptive element and then a, a creative element, taking that faculty and applying it to uh, the production of some imaginative mm. uh, world or idea. All right. Uh, for, for those of us who teach preaching and, and those of us who practice it, um, I always think of creativity as a double-edged sword. That yeah, you want to be creative with the, with a finding a good structure and teasing out uh, the 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 text in an, an imaginative way. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you let your imagination run wild and and you you start 
imposing things on a text. So how how do you how do you engage your imagination with a text in a lively way, but at the same time appreciating appreciating what is what is in the text? Right. That that really is a, is a key, and I think it it comes back to that same framework of the imagination being capable of uh, receiving and also capable of of producing. And in the beginning of the uh, the task of preaching, and we're, we're, we're always going to the text to begin with when we're doing expository preaching, and uh, I think that's the point where you engage your imagination to receive what's there in the text. And um, there are a number of different ways you can do that. You can um, imagine yourself into uh, the text. You can, uh, like one of my favorite passages is the one where Nathan is confronting David after his sin with Bathsheba, and you remember where he tells him a story. And he invites him in, and he begins to imagine this world where the, the king takes the, the lamb, and, you know, and then he doesn't realize until the end when he pulls the paradigm shift, you know, it was, it was you. Well, you know, put yourself into the shoes of, uh, of David. What would that have been like to, uh, to have thought one thing and to have become even righteously indignant and then realize you were righteously indignant uh, at yourself? So I think, you know, connecting ourselves into Scripture and receiving what's there is really the, the, the primary thing to do. Once we've done that and we've correctly understood what's in the text and, uh, and, and thought through it clearly, we can then engage that productive and creative element of the imagination to move into uh, the work on the sermon itself and to think through how we might present that, that, uh, that text to our congregation. But uh, we do have to be careful, uh, like in the Old Testament where it talks about the false prophets, and it says they were the ones who prophesied out of their own, uh, literally it says, out of their own hearts. But some, te- some uh, translations will say out of their own imaginations, mm. and uh, that's a, a, a thing we always have to be careful of. Mm. John Broadus said that imagination can help the, the preacher penetrate to the heart of a subject. Is that, does that statement resonate with you? I think it does, and we were talking about Lewis earlier, C.S. Lewis, and he's so important for thinking through imagination as, as, uh, as theologians and as Christians, uh, and he, he talks about uh, imagination is the organ of meaning, and reason is the organ of truth. Okay, all right, Re- restate that, because mm-hmm. that's, that's worth remembering. Yeah. All right. So um, imagination is the organ of meaning, so if you want to understand what a thing means, you have to engage the, the imagination. If you want to know if it's true or not, then you think uh, rationally, logically through the, the idea and, and, and get to the end of it. So, um, you know, coming back to the text and thinking through, well, how do we, how do we interact with, uh, with a text and, and think imaginatively about it with what's there, receiving uh, what's there? And I was thinking through a, a, a passage we'd all be familiar with, the, the, the fall of man in Genesis. And uh, thinking through how that plays out, and, and if we really stop to try to imagine each element of that, of that narrative, um, it helps us to understand the meaning uh, of the text. So uh, some elements of that text that I find very highly imaginative would be where uh, we get to the, the part where judgment is coming, and um, God uh, clothes Adam and Eve with uh, garments of skin. And um, it's just one verse. It's very short, but if you think about what, you know, if, if you lived in a perfect world where nothing and, and, and death wasn't there, and all of a sudden, because of something you did, uh, the, God's bringing to you a garment that, that you know something died for me. Something had to be killed so that, so that I could be covered because of what I've done. Uh, that's very powerful imagery, uh, and it's right there in the text. You don't have to invent it. 
it's coming right out of the text. So um, we certainly want to engage that, 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 that seeking out of what is the meaning of the text, and I do think imagination can really help us there. Mm. We, uh, in the preaching school here, uh, I mean, we, we place a huge emphasis on finding the structure and the substance and the spirit of the text. And I'm, I'm hearing from you that imagination can be an incredible tool for really drilling down deeper into your text and, and pulling out what's there yes. uh, for the listener. How does imagination help with the illustration mm-hmm. and the application of the text? Right. I think that... Um this is a, another work of the imagination, really, because what you're trying to do at that point is uh, you're really trying to put yourself in the, in the shoes of your congregation. Uh, when, you're, when you're thinking through, how do I illustrate this text, it's, it's not what's, gonna, what's going to uh, play this out the best way for me. It's, it's how do I play this out the best way for my congregation and for my flock. And um, so you think through, you know, well, what, what are my folks going through? How, how, what's going on in their lives? You, I mean, a, a pastor knows his flock, and he knows where they are. And so, but it, it, it's a very selfless thing because you have to get out of yourself and you have to put yourself in their world. What are your young people going through? What and, and how does this text apply to them? And so, um, I think it really ties into you know the second greatest commandment, where he says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, is a, really a work of imagination. And so, when you're preaching, you're trying to love your congregation the best you know how, and you have to think like they think. And you can't you can't think just the way that you think to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any guidance for uh, preachers uh, on on where to draw the line from becoming too imaginative mm-hmm. or creative with the text? Right. Yeah. And that, that's uh, there are a lot of, of ideas that maybe are good for speculative fiction that are not good for the pulpit. And um, so I don't know. Going back to the um, you know the, the 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 passage we were just talking about, where you're dealing with uh, Adam and Eve and being clothed by the skin. Um, there are lots of, of things we might want to know um, that we don't know from the text that we could think about if we wanted to, but probably aren't so good for the, the sermon, like, well, well, how exactly did, did God kill the animal that was killed? Well, you know, okay, well, it doesn't, t- it doesn't tell us that. Uh, so don't, 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 you know, let your imagination go there, I think, for the purpose of, the, of preaching of the sermon. You stick to the text for the sermon. But when we're in speculative fiction, we're talking about Lewis and his space trilogy, where he's trying to imagine what was it like if uh, there was, an, you know, creatures that had never fallen uh, what would how would that what would it be like for fallen and unfallen creatures to interact and uh, very interesting ideas but for preaching stick to uh, stick to the text there, there are any green ladies in, in Genesis are there? <laughs> that's right <laughs> our floating islands that's right of Perry Landrus that's right um, okay what what do we say to our friend who's who's out there in the conversation with us the preacher who says oh guys I'm I'm not that imaginative I'm not that creative how what do we say to him to, to help him develop his imagination for preaching? Yeah, so I think two, two things here. And the, the first is uh, uh, you really you have to, 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 to be imaginative, you have to be imaginative. You have to engage in the work. Um, just thinking about, you know, being creative or even, and I've, and I've got some resources I'll mention in a minute that are things you could turn to that I think would be helpful, but there's really no substitute for being creative. And so you have to get in there and do the work. I've been spending the last 10 years attempting to turn myself into a novelist. That's my, my 10 to midnight activity. And, um, and so I spend, you know, a couple of hours a night in my imagination. Um, that's hard work. 
and you know you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fail at it. So I think you have to get out there and 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 be creative. And it could be any number of different things. It could be uh, writing fiction, as I mentioned. It could be um, I don't know uh, uh, being creative in the in the kitchen. I've got a few recipes I've come up with at the house where I've you know put together. You know, but 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 don't in our culture we're we're we're, we're consumers in our culture and. Um, it's a, it's a culture of consumption, and really to be an imaginative person, you have to be a producer. You have a to creator. be one who's a creator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no shortcut uh, other than to, to work on it. So whatever it is you have a, a passion for, if it is you know, sermons in particular, um, working at it. And then I'd say when you're working on it, you really need a group. This is what I do in my writing. You really need a critique group. You really need someone to sharpen you. Um, and it doesn't have to be the best preacher in the world. It could be your buddy. And if you're both committed to wanting to become more imaginative and more creative and more powerful in your preaching in that way, and then you, you need somebody to be a partner to help you. And you bring your sermon that way. You can say, here's what I, you know, critique me and, and help. Where did I, you know, what, what was working well here? Where did I really appeal to the imagination? Where did I fall short? And be willing to change, be willing to, to work on uh, right. work on that. Uh, let's mention those resources that, yeah. that might help us develop our imagination. Yeah, so uh, we were talking earlier about Francis Schaeffer, mm-hmm. so wonderful uh, Christian thinker. So there's a little book that I use when I teach that fine arts class. Uh, it's called Art and the Bible. It's very, very short, uh, 60 pages maybe. It takes an hour to read or something. But I think the listeners would really get a lot out of that. It, it, it helps you to see... Uh, places in scripture where you weren't, you maybe didn't know where, where, well, does the Bible really deal with art and creativity? It does. And uh, he points a lot of those out in that book. So that would be one, one place. You also mentioned mere Christianity, which was actually on my list before you mentioned it, um, as a great example. I mean, Lewis is such a great example of the, uh, the, 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 the pulling together of both reason and imagination, as we mentioned, and, um, mere Christianity he's dealing with, uh, they, of course came from radio, uh, talks during the war. And he's reaching a, a broken and, and uh, hurting people with uh, the gospel and is using a lot of uh, illustrations there and, and a lot of ways of unpacking Christian truth. Um, and then I guess I'd say finally one other one is there's a, a book called uh, The Christian Imagination edited by Leland Riken that is just a collection of many different uh, essays that uh, relate to uh, the imagination by many uh, wonderful Christian uh, thinkers over time, uh, some modern, some, uh, some, some older. All right, now you just did something that was imaginative that I, I, I don't want us to miss it. You, you are talking about C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity, and, you, you know, uh, most preachers would pick up the book if they were going to read it and say, well, okay, here, they would just read the content, but you thought about when it was written yes. uh, during the Second World War, mm-hmm. where it was written, uh, in, in the context, you talk, you thought about the people who originally heard it, uh, a broken people, a hurting people, people who'd been through a terrible war, a war that was much closer to them That's right. uh, physically than it was to the United States. Mm-hmm. We sent people, mm-hmm. but the war literally came to their doorstep and over their skies. Yes. And so you've, yeah, uh, that, uh, I think you just demonstrated for us what I think the preacher should do with every text mm-hmm. is, uh, okay, let's suppose you're dealing with an epistolary text and, uh, you know, and it's, it's exhortation and you're doing your, your Greek uh, causal outlines, but st- okay, who wrote this? Mm-hmm. Who are the original readers? That's right. What was their life situation? What, I think that's where imagination can, can really shine in, in helping preachers. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, Uh, Dr. Leeds, thank you so much for being with us on Preaching Source today. So glad to be here. Thanks.